In this episode of Full Stack Radio, Jack and I talk about launching Statimic 3, GitHub sponsors, Tailwind CSS 1.7, and preparing for Laracom. This is Full Stack Radio, episode 146. We got a bunch of cool things to talk about, I think. Um, last time we were talking, we were talking about how the Statimic 3 launch was imminent. It was around the corner. Without an exact date. It was almost there, but not quite. And now it is old news. It's old. Dude, it's, it already happened. <laughs> it's done. Our traffic is, be- is, is back to zero. No, it is. Dude, it, it went well. It was a great launch. It was the smoothest launch we've ever had. And uh, things are, I mean, I'm pumped. I've actually slept a couple nights. Uh, nice. I feel good. Yeah. That's I'm, good. I'm so no, uh, no crazy emergency disaster scenarios or minimal. No, there, there was like one issue with a with a database migration that has actually ended up being a red herring. So mm-hmm. it kept our site down a little longer than we planned, but there actually wasn't any problems. Uh, and boom, then we were we were up and running. That's good. So, I mean, you said it went well. What does it mean for it to go well? How much uh, are you willing well, to for, talk I, about it? Yeah, so, I mean, going well would be, or going poorly would be, oh my God, it's broken. Oh my God, I didn't know, like, the pricing model was changed. And, like, I, I screw it. I want refunds on everything. You know, like, all of those scenarios, like, falling yeah. apart. Uh, but we were in beta for six months, so the code base, there was no surprises there. But most yeah. of the people had, right? That was that was pretty clean. Uh, we did server migrations and, like, upgrades, like, a month ago ahead of time. Like, and then all the redesign stuff was on a separate branch. So we knew the server didn't need any work. We just had to basically composer install and like, you know, build the new Tailwind stuff. So that went pretty smoothly. Uh, and then people were adequately prepared for what was coming and everything worked. So nice. yeah, like all the upgrades going, going fine. Uh, most of them are free because, you know, we, we gave them like a grace period to upgrade from two to three. Sure. So like they're flooding in and every single time it's like zero dollars, zero dollars, zero dollars, zero dollars, <laughs> which is like a good feeling. And is also like, oh, well, hey, you know, that's it. We're in sure. for the long haul and yeah, people are using sure. it and they're excited. So uh, f- to me, that is all I could hope for. And it met all expectations. So nice. Yeah. What's changed, I guess, in terms of the day to day in Statimic land now? Like, were you doing, were you kind of having to straddle the V2 and V3 worlds a little bit more before? Or are you kind of still making that transition in terms yeah, of? Yeah, for sure. There'd be, uh, like, there someone would report a super edge case bug for V2. Like, some, like, a, a field tape most people don't use in Windows, uh, like, 7. Like, oh, God, I don't want to boot up a VM just to, like, test this thing. Like, well, V3, it's fixed, but um, it's not official yet, so I guess we need to work on that. Now Mm. we can say, like, edge case bugs, uh, come on. It's it's a free upgrade. We wrote a migrator for you to do, like, 99.9% all the work for you. If you can put half an hour of work in, you'll get more out of it, and it costs you nothing. So I think most of the time... People are are totally, and so far, they've been totally great with that. Like, oh, that's awesome. Yep, done. Click, whatever. Uh, so that that part has changed. And then, yeah, so like being able to use V3 is not as a, V3 is beta. Uh, let me, let me. Yeah, not having start, to like start couch this. every single like, oh, we, well, you should probably just switch to V3. I know like it, does, it doesn't really look like it's ready right. yet, but I we mean like have... it's actually more stable than like V2 probably is, but. Yes. Uh, yeah, we don't yeah. have to hedge our recommendations anymore. And uh, at the same time, 
we also now can't use it as an excuse for not doing something. Not that we would like do that actively, but every now and then it's like, uh, yeah, we we're kind of working on this other part of the launch, right? The redesign or working on something else. And we'll get to that soon, but it's beta, you know? Yeah. Like, so now it's like, oh, that's important. Let's fix that immediately. And so that, yeah. you know, on both sides of the fence, both like freeing us up and also like, putting us into our proper responsibilities. Both of those mm-hmm. are, are happening and that's that's what needs to happen, right? I mean, cool. that's important. Yeah. How else did things go otherwise? Like, um, did you, what did you do to launch? So was it just like a Twitter thing? Did you do like a product hunt thing or any of that stuff? Yeah, I didn't do product hunt and I feel like every time I've done it, I've done it wrong. Someone like emails me and said, dude, you totally wasted it. And, mm. uh, you know, most of the time you get a ton of traffic a lot of really critical eyes and most people don't end up buying, right? Yeah. So I thought, eh, who cares? Yeah, uh, so is an interesting beast. I don't really know how to... I mean, I think the reality is like people who are cold traffic are cold traffic, you know? Like nothing yeah. you can really do. I mean, it's better yeah. than not being on Product Hunt, I guess, maybe. But I think... Um, sure. Maybe it's so for something that's like a paid niche thing, it's pretty negligible. Yeah, like, you have to already be in the market for a CMS one. Yeah, uh, you have to be open to not using WordPress too. Yeah, right, because like that's de facto standard. So if those are the that's a qualified lead to us. The number of those people on Product Hunt, I don't know two. Yeah, like you're gonna probably come across it at this point anyway. It's finally a little bit harder to not accidentally stumble across it when you're genuinely looking for a new CMS. Sure. So I think that's good. Plus, you know, our Laravel is our niche. So, you know, we tweeted and we got on the, you know, the Laravel news update right away, yeah. uh, yep, the email yep, yep. and all that. So that's a all that stuff gets it out there. Traffic. Yeah. Way better. Yeah. I mean, the, yeah. the, the Twitter stuff, uh, was as good as you can hope for. I think it was four or five, six hundred retweets or something. Nice. I, I forget. Yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot of action. Uh, and I couldn't have asked for really a whole lot more. We, we've got, I haven't done email marketing. I've got to turn that back on. I was basically just like backburnered that for a while. Yeah. And so that's coming back on this week. Uh, we got GitHub sponsor stuff that's new. So that's, that's something that uh, I'm starting to kind of shape into like a new, both a marketing channel revenue source and like a way for people to like come in and find it so that's yep. pretty cool um because like statumix free now like for personal use for hobby projects all that stuff it's free it's open source you can do all sorts of stuff and never have to pay a dollar so i figured it doesn't hurt to say like hey if you want to give back and funnel some money into us working on better stuff for that side of it like happy to to take all that yeah you know that sponsorship money and whether it's carve out time, hire designers to build like starter kits or, you know, hire developers to build cool add-ons or just like being able to justify putting more time into the free side of it just makes it easier for us. So that's going pretty well too. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually going to ask you about that. That's kind of what prompted us to even schedule this recording. So I thought it'd be kind of cool to dig into that. So I did notice that you added like the Statomic org level GitHub sponsorship stuff, which is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And people always ask us, how the K can donate to Tailwind stuff. And I just always say, just buy something that we make. Um, yeah, <laughs> but I still, it feels like just like, why not have that going? The problem is uh, we need to have 
we need to offer something in exchange. You know what I mean? Because it like very feels like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think even depending on where you live, like the agreement with GitHub is like, there actually has to be like some sort of like minimum, like reward thing. It can't just be like pure donations. I don't know if it applies to where we are, but there's definitely some weird rules about that depending on certain things. So uh, yeah, I was curious to talk to you a bit about that and figure out what you were thinking in terms of like, what people get for their money. Yes. Um, yeah, I was hoping to chat with you, bounce some ideas off, see what you think yeah. too. Uh, at the, on the, the very basic level, I I like the idea of sponsorware. I think it's a pretty cool model. Uh, Caleb Parizo showed that it can work really well. He yeah. like has an entire like career now around open source software, yeah. which is, is cool. I mean, I, I don't want to do it for like just a straight cash grab. I just think it is a, it is a, a place to align value in people's dollars in a way where if you like buying the $259 version is not something that they needed. Right. Yeah. Um, so the, the, I wanted to be able to give away some of it and, and, and still kind of squirrel away some sponsor wear stuff where it doesn't feel like people are being excluded because they're not giving it a high enough level to get the good stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. So my thought would be, you know, as long as we're at a certain threshold, I want to release a starter kit every month. That's like something I can do in about a day, uh, especially with Tailwind. So it's like a kind of the starter kits are pre-built sites, but they're really kind of bare bonesy. Okay. You just composer install them, and the site's like ready to go. It has all your content modeling set up. It has like a, a basic design, maybe some settings to like tweak some colors, upload a logo, and you could just use it, boom, as it is. Um, but then you could also just start customizing the crap out of it. And people, we have a couple, and uh, people have already used them and tweaked them. Basically, they they pick our free uh, starter, grab Tailwind UI components, and drop them in, and then they have their own site. Sure. Like, yeah, that's customize. cool. Uh, so, like, I want to do that and just give away one for free. But could also have, like, a, I don't know, a sponsorware version that has more features, maybe? You know, mm-hmm. like, more... More component, like more visual components, or maybe more. Um, I don't know. Maybe I don't want to like block useful stuff like RSS feeds on a blog or anything like that. Sure. So yeah, just trying to find the line between what's free and like what would kind of in- incentivize the sponsorware stuff. Yeah, uh, I don't know what 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 do you think about that. Yeah, it's tough. I think that makes sense. Like, so do you do like is there Statomic starter kits already? Yeah, there are. If you go to statomic.dev. And then you scroll down, there's like a Statomic starter kits, like little section. We have two. They're just kind of really basic. Sorry, what was the URL? Yep, Statomic.dev. That's like our doc okay. site. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You cut out a little bit while you were saying it, so I missed it. Oh, sorry. Okay, yep, 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 yep. Cool. So you want to do like one of these like a month for... Yeah, that's probably, or at least you know, maybe at least at first until there's like kind of one of each sort of category. You know, yeah, like a, and then maybe once it's flushed out enough, you can kind of just slow down and be like, yep, being a sponsor means you have access to this sort of already fairly deep sort of database of resources, essentially. Yeah, that's definitely yeah. one way to go about yeah. it. Yeah, that's cool. I think that's kind of what makes the most sense to me in general is like um, just treating it as like a membership of some kind, right? Like you're mm-hmm. a member of this thing that gets you like exclusive access. It's like the... Uh, 
You know, it's like the airline lounge access version of like Statomic. You know what I mean? Yeah, Whatever like that the- comes with, whether that's just like free cookies and like stuff that's like, you know, nice to have um, versus yeah. like stuff that's like, oh, yeah, this is a product that I'm paying for because I like desperately need it. You know, I think right. that's where I see the sponsors are fitting in more is that sort of like nice to have territory where it's like yeah i'm getting like value for my money i might not have just like paid for this if it was just a product that i was like going out searching for but yeah that's why it's like called sponsoring you know like there's like has to be some there, element there's of a yeah there's a little bit of trust to it. like yeah you you give and with without like a super hard return and my goal would be to return more value than than you yeah paid for basically mm-hmm. So we'll see where that goes. I mean, we're up to, I don't know, it's like five or 600 bucks a month right that's now, which is still sweet. I yeah. mean, I mean, that that's enough. I could pay a junior designer to like crank something out every month yeah, and like yeah. kind of coach him up a little bit. So, uh, th- I mean, that's one of the ideas. Yeah. yeah. One, one of so what do you have for like the absolute highest tier here? So you've got like a hundred dollar a month tier, which is basically the same thing, but you get like the statomic care package which i think is a cool idea because we've been trying to figure out like people always ask for tailwind shirts and stickers and stuff but like just having people buy those and mailing them is sort of i don't know we need to yeah, pay it, someone to do that like stickers especially like there's no drop shipping stickers like there is for shirts you know there really On should be that is and, a fantastic business idea that i'm sure both you and i would throw cash at yeah 100 like uh but as far as i've ever found it doesn't exist but yeah it, like I'm totally fine, and I just I just dropped them in the mailbox uh, like an hour ago. My first batch yeah. of s- swag packs, and I'm fine to do that. Like if you join at the twenty five dollar a month level, <laughs> feels yeah, like a cool. uh, like a PBS fun drive now. If you join at the twenty five dollar month level, <laughs> we'll send you a CD of Miles Davis. Um, so yeah, I dropped those in the mail, and I don't mind doing that. Like I'm, I'm super appreciative because they just gave me money saying like, yeah. please make your product better. So, and I'm like, I will happily send that to you. Uh, at the hundred dollar a month level, I'm including a random autographed object from my house. <laughs> <laughs> so what's like an example of that? Uh, okay. So um, we'll see if it, if this podcast episode comes out before he gets it. Uh, I, I autographed the inside jacket cover of my big fat Greek wedding. Okay. Um, from a deep from a dvd so that's one um nice yep uh magic the gathering playing cards uh nice. autographed yep like an uh, old like lana war elf or something like <laughs> yeah I think it was like uh, for for the branding purposes it was like an island land mana um, oh nice yeah that's good just land, land is yeah good. just some just some land um uh what a, a nintendo gamecube uh health and safety instructions manual nice these are things that fit in envelopes, right? So, sure. like, <laughs> yeah, sure, fa- true. It's fairly limited. I'm looking like maybe a redacted uh, water bill might be on the list at some point. Yeah. Um, if I, yeah. So, uh, just something I fun. It. I like random stuff. It's funny. So, the one that I was going to ask you about is you're doing like, um, like listing sponsors on like the Stanley Docs page for yes. people in like the hundred dollar tier. That is the one that I struggle with the most. I think because yeah you think so well for me i just feel like i don't i, I don't like feeling like i'm like starting to dip my toes into like the advertising business you know what i mean yeah because I, feel I know like i do i don't like other people getting to decide what shows up on my stuff in, in any sort of way you know which is like gets close to that yeah um, like the Vue.js homepage is like atrocious because of that 
Yeah. Um, and that's like the easiest perk to give, I think, right? And in a lot of ways, it's like one of the most valuable ones for potential sponsors. Like lots of companies pay a lot of money just to be like, to look like they're the big dog on the uh, sponsor page, you know? I know right, like for right. Laravel, it's like, that's part of like being like a on the Laravel partner program and stuff. And so yeah. for a lot of companies, like it's worth big money. Um, yeah, we do have a Statomic partner program and I, I could tie the two together at the upper level. Yeah. You know, you, you get, I, I mean, we already have a way of, of charging for that, but I could blend them. Yeah. Um, it is, yeah. It's it's not one I love, but I wanted to make sure there was like a an adequate some thing sort to of you. yeah. I totally. I'm, I'm, I know, like the things I've been tossing around are like, is there a way to do like access to like a a Discord server that is a little bit more exclusive or something? But then it starts to feel like you're selling support almost, which right, which wasn't what we were signing up for. Yeah, right. Like it was to give you open source like stuff you could use. Yeah. Um, or um another one i thought of was like educational stuff like if i put out like a bunch of little tailwind videos and you got access to like this like backlog of them but then it's like why would i put those behind any sort of paywall because like it's better if they're just free <laughs> you know yeah, for business. everybody could uh, learn something from that if they yeah. take the time right i've been the same boat yeah so it's really um, hard to know like what to make what to actually hide behind a paywall when like it might actually be better for the business if it was all free you know what i mean yes exactly um, i mean you could probably make the same argument about the static starter kit stuff you know would it be better for the ecosystem and for license sales if that was just free to everyone well that's what i was saying that they would be free the starter kits like would be free but i would maybe have like a premium version of each kit that would have more stuff baked into it, like maybe a like a like a pay to join the newsletter sort of thing, or uh, drawing a blank a little bit on sure. what to put into them. Yeah, I mean, it yeah, would totally yeah. depend per site. If there were, if yeah. there was like a corporate microsite, uh, maybe like the pro version or like the sponsorware version would have, you know, a team directory and would like give te- like autumn i could hook up the relationships between articles and bios and like leave that not wired up in yeah. the free version you know that kind of stuff yep um yeah gonna have to feel it out as i go we can talk about it again maybe mm-hmm. you know in a, in a month or so and see how it's going yeah i'm definitely interested to see how it goes because it does feel to me like we're just like leaving opportunity on the table because there's people who beg us to just donate money but I feel like I want to give them something for that, but maybe, maybe the version we should try is just like, what if we just literally give people nothing? Um, do people still do it? Because, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, some you know? do. People gen- genuinely want, and I've found this, and I do this too. Uh, like a lot of the components that we use in Statomic that are open source, I sponsor yeah. all the de- the developers for those, right? So yeah. like Jeff Siegel with View Select and. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm drawing a blank now, but there's like five or six different accounts that we sponsor. Just yeah. my way of saying thank you. It was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do happen to have stuff to sell, but not everybody who uses Tailwind buys those things. Like sure. I don't use Tailwind UI yeah. and I've never bought it. Yeah. Um, I did buy refactoring UI, but that's not exactly 
Tailwind, right? It's not no. like a yeah an official Tailwind corporate no. product. Yeah, it is, and I would probably I would sponsor ways, Tailwind, but it's not. Yeah, so yeah, it totally. Is, yeah, it, it isn't. It isn't. Yeah, uh, you could just throw f- like a five dollar tier, like hey, just if you want to say thank you, just like turn it on. I know it's tough. Like I, I've tossed around this idea in the past of like there being some sort of idea of like 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 Tailwind Plus, kind of like like Apple TV Plus. You know what I mean? Where it's mm-hmm. like there's like some membership thing with like access to something and in in a lot of ways it's almost like tailwind ui as a product would be like the perfect thing to give people for that it's like you get access to like the component database if you're like a tailwind plus member or whatever mm-hmm. and we did think about designing it that way originally but ultimately decided to just treat it as like a a product that just had a price you know um yeah because it's it's risky to like build an entire product and then hinge it off of another company's feature you yeah. know what i mean like, mm-hmm. hey, GitHub sponsorships is how we hang this thing we put all this time into. And what if they, you know, there's like an extra step of they friction. They have it. to have a GitHub account. Yeah. And what if they kill it? Or what if they start taking 30%, God forbid? And then we have sure. that whole and thing going on. then you have to try on, and so. migrate everyone over. And most people won't switch over. So they just hold like the And you don't have the customer data. And all that stuff. Yeah. Totally. Yep. Scary thing to do for sure. I don't think we would do it through GitHub if we were going to do that for almost for that reason, right? But at the same time, GitHub charges no payment processing fees, um, yeah. which is like would save us like 3% or something. Um, I don't know. It's interesting. It is. I'm curious to see how it goes. Let's put it that way because it's, uh, it feels like this untapped thing that we should do something about at some point, um, yeah. but haven't. Like so. in the back of my head, it's like if if that number, if the like the the static sponsorship number got up to a a certain number, I don't know what it is. A certain we would just open source everything, just like open it all, give it all away, like yeah. theoretically. Yeah, I agree with that, that too. Yeah, like to me, in a perfect world, like I would never have to sell anything. I would just be able to just if we knew like the business was going to keep making the same money that it makes right now, and yes we could make everything free, but somehow that money still kept coming in. Like I would just make everything free. Like I totally. care more about just making things and putting them out into the world than I do about, you yeah, know, it's a, it's a pain to have to manage all the other stuff in order yeah, just to totally. get the code to you. Right. We spend mm-hmm. probably 20 to 30% of our time dealing with not useful stuff in the code. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, interesting. Well, something to keep track of, see how it goes. goes. Totally. Very curious to kind of check in on that every few episodes, I think. Um, Yeah. Because it's pretty interesting. See what people are doing there. Cool. What what have you been up to? What's what's new in the the Tailwind world? Lots of stuff. I would say probably the biggest exciting one um, was that we put out Tailwind V1.7 last week. Already um, using it. Already loving it. Yeah. So that was kind of fun because... for this like work cycle right like at tailwind here at tailwind labs we work in work cycles where we have six weeks sort of planned out and then another six weeks and another six weeks and i did not plan on doing a tailwind version in this period of time but kind of got all the other stuff i wanted to do done faster than i thought and a lot of the work that i need to be doing right now is like prepping for tailwind 2.0 so i did a bunch of work to create like a um so this is actually the so the Tailwind 1.7 story is kind of interesting. The whole reason I released it is because I wanted to get some of these like experimental and like future Tailwind features out so people could start using them. And the right. way that we did that is behind this like feature flagging system that I built into Tailwind. 
Um, cause I really didn't want to have to have like a tailwind two alpha one thing. And then like having these two branches and trying to like do stuff. So I was trying to figure out how can I just have like the master branch, everything's in it at all times. I can like develop tailwind 2.0, like inside of tailwind one and just everything's getting merged into the same place and people can opt into stuff. So I talked to Tim who basically maintains Next.js for his input. And he was like, yep, we do that. And we just have a couple config options in the config file. One's this key called future where you can opt into um, changes that are like 100% coming in the next major version, but introduce breaks, uh, but are considered perfectly stable and dependable. And then there's another key called experimental where you can opt into stuff that is going to be coming eventually, but could change like without any regard for semantic versioning and i thought that's pretty interesting i like that idea so i started working on some experimental or future facing stuff so a couple minor changes we want to make in tailwind are like um, adding default line heights to every font size so when you do like text 3xl it comes with like the recommended line height already there and you can still override it by throwing like a line height utility after it but at least this way like you'll have to throw that in less often yes like basically almost never you know (laughs) at least i'll probably never do it um i'll love that except for when you need to do like letting none because you're trying to do some quirky thing like whatever but yeah you want them touching it's it's definitely never more work right it's only ever less work than what it is right now but it's technically a breaking change because it's going to change people's sites um Mm -hmm. for who who have not set a deep or a, a letting utility so they have like font size 48 pixels with like a line height of 1.5 which is the default and maybe they have it set so that it's like truncating so like it doesn't actually matter that the line height looked bad but they're sort of relying on it because they based all their surrounding spacing around that you know yeah now everything's going to be nudged and like collapsed yeah Yeah. so it'll break Mm -hmm. people's designs um if they're not expecting it so we put that behind an experimental flag we have like a new color palette they're working on that we put behind an experimental flag um uh we are getting rid of so we we introduced one feature behind like the future flag which was i renamed the css grid gap utilities so they used to be like call gap four row gap four and i don't know what possessed me to name them that other than that i think it matched the css properties closely but like Mm -hmm. i was it always hurt my brain to figure out which one i had to type because it sounds like it should be straightforward but um it's not to me like when I'm like <laughs> I have like a row of things and uh-huh. I want to put like gaps in the row. So you, you in your head you want to like take the columns and put gaps there, right? So it's call gap is yep. how you would want to do it. But my right. brain sometimes wants to type row gap because I'm like, okay, these are the gaps in the row, not like <laughs> the gaps between the rows, you know? So right. I think the correct version is like slightly more correct, but it's not like a hundred percent obvious to my brain whereas like um so what i changed it to is gap x and gap y so now it's just like the gap in the x direction the gap in the y direction just like when you do like space x4 or space y which follows all of the other tailwind conventions yeah and since like you're creating MX your own better world where yeah. css is better so i decided to do it that way and flexbox is getting gap support soon too and Flexbox has no concept of rows and columns, but yet the CSS properties are still called column gap and row gap. So, and go figure. I think ours are better anyway. So that's one thing that we're changing. So I've introduced it like 
as an alias by default. So now in like Tailwind 1.7, row gap and gap X both exist. No, row gap and gap Y. Gap between rows yes. is gap Y. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this see? is exactly this why is, you did it. This is, it. Yes. this is the reason. Yeah. So um, both exist, but that makes your CSS bigger. Um, so no, purge CSS takes care of it anyways. But now there's like a flag under future where you can say like remove deprecated gap utilities. So if you set that to true, it removes those. So anyways, I built this whole feature flagging system and I wanted to get it out. Um, so that's what prompted me to do this release. But the feature flagging system with a bunch of experimental features on its own is not really like a release. Like it's not like Tailwind 1.7 is here with a bunch of optional features and nothing actually new by default. You know, that's You probably shouldn't use them in production. Good luck. Yes, exactly. Here's like a bunch of features that are not safe to use. Like that's lame. Um, So I tried to figure out like, okay, I want to put these things out there. I want to tag a release. I don't want to waste 1.7 on a release that has nothing. So what can I add? quickly you, that is like went, exciting you went with gradients so i went with gradients and it ended up being more interesting than i thought and the only reason i added it is because i had like a eureka moment where i figured there was like an interesting way to do the api because gradients the risk is that you end up creating classes like bg gradient pink to orange left to right you know because there's all these different parameters that can go into a gradient yeah it you can don't be pretty complicated to, yeah and what ones do we provide by default you know do we provide from every color to every other color because that's like an insane amount of classes that's like literally going to be a hundred thousand classes or something when you do the combinatoric math right yeah especially with the different directions but we did some stuff with the transform stuff that was all css variable based where you can use CSS variables to sort of like fill in the gaps of like another declaration. So with the transform utilities, you just do like transform as a utility and that adds, you know, transform with a bunch of CSS variables after it. And um, then when you do like scale 150, that sets the scale variable to 1.5 or whatever. And that fills in that CSS variable. So CSS variables like totally unlock this composition stuff that you can't do without them and i thought maybe i can do that with the background gradients so we ended up with this api where you can we have utilities for each direction and then you have utility for the starting color another utility for the ending color and because they're all based on css variables they all just like combine on the client to create the gradient sort of on the fly which means way fewer classes and um yeah it turned out cool so now you can do like bg gradient to r from orange 500 via red 500 to pink 500 um which is pretty slick and if you leave out any of like the via or two it'll go to transparent by default and it's even better than like how transparent would work in the browser because there's this like weird bug in safari where if you try to do a gradient to transparent it doesn't actually work Yep. You know, it like goes to gray in the middle and it's like, ah, so Yeah, gross. I'd like finish some beautiful looking, well, at least to me, beautiful looking, like wacky ass, crazy colorful yeah. designs. And I open up Safari and it's like, what has yeah. happened? Yep. And the, the trick is always like you have to fade to a transparent version of the color that you started at. So if it's like yeah. RGB 255, 147, 135, like the transparent color has to be that, but with an alpha channel of zero. Otherwise it'll like go to gray in between or some other horrendous thing yes so since tailwind is generating the kind of like the fade out color for you we can see well what is from set to 
let's like use some math, figure out the transparent version of that and set that as the default to color. So we basically dodged the whole Safari bug, which is really awesome. So it's like improving that experience. You're welcome, too. Yeah. So we released that uh, feature. We also added like background clip utilities, which um, that's how you do that cool like gradient text effect. So yeah, I almost ran through my entire like statomic.com right before we released and like, like, no, 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 no. Text gradients, text gradients, <laughs> text gradients. <laughs> Wait, I could, I could do it. I'm, no, we're <laughs> just about ready to go. It's going to be like two hours now. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we added that and then a bunch of these experimental things. We added that like that massive new version of add apply that we talked about on the last episode. So we kind of mm-hmm. decided on some behavior for that that made sense and shipped that behind a flag. Um, so yeah, Tailwind 1.7, gradients and like the new ad apply stuff, which is pretty cool. Uh, response to that was really good. So that was kind Actually of the a big thing. Pretty yeah. huge release that you kind of almost didn't have. Didn't plan on doing. Yeah, didn't so. plan on doing it. And it's like, it's on, it's like the best one since one dot, I don't know. Yeah, there's been some good two. releases. Um, yeah. Like when we added transitions, I thought that was like a huge one. That was one. pretty big. Yep. Um, CSS Grid was a pretty big one for a lot of people. The transforms. I think transforms and transitions came like together. Um, yeah. Every time cool. you release my my personal utility library gets smaller yeah. and smaller. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, darn it. So that- what's left in your personal one? Like a bunch of, I bet you you have like filters. That's probably the remaining. It's, yeah. It's one. pretty much filters. I do. I mean, I use some real wacky ones, right? Like the linear noise stuff and all that. Yeah. Um, I'd like to add so, yeah. filters at some point. Um, but we have to it's get the like, API it's, it's right such a, for them. There's so such many a rabbit classes. hole though. Yeah, exactly. There's just so many of them. But it could be tough. it could be something kind of like you you did with transitions, right? There are so many yeah. kinds of animations, but here's five that are actually yeah. pretty useful. And yeah. so maybe that's it, right? I think that's that's like one of the uh the good sort of it's one of the approaches that we use sometimes specifically we did it with animations where it's like there's no way that we can provide a sensible set of defaults that actually makes sense but what we can do is at least provide like a path to introducing animations into your project with some right now you have a convention that you can follow yeah and now we can just say yep here's like here's like some examples dump your custom ones in the config file and you're good to go and i think that's like if you had um, one one filter I would request uh, the drop shadow filter so that you can do yeah. shadows on like SVGs or, yeah. or. So if we maybe if we just duplicated all our default shadows as like drop shadows as well, so that you could. Yeah, or or do do like the clever uh, like CSS variable thing where you kind of assemble them on on the fly. Mm-hmm. But I love like in the you'll see in the statomic.com site I use kind of like a, a like a bleed background color effect on a lot of things like on svgs if you go like the partner section there's like all these different svgs that'll look like they're sort of bleeding yellow and they're all using that drop down filter and i just Mm, kind of have i just follow the same exact tailwind like naming pattern and have you know yeah um, filter drop shadow yellow and you have this like noise animation on like hover and stuff too yeah that one's probably not going to be used by everybody but i think the drop shadow especially on svgs and like transparent PNGs, it'll follow the transparent alpha layer mm-hmm. yeah, and give you the drop that. shadow you're looking for. Yeah. So that would be, I think that could be nicely doing um, like um, grayscale is probably like another common one that people would yep. want. Grayscale so like is really nice between grayscale and color on hover and stuff. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, for like those all the logo bars on everybody's sites. Yeah, right? like, yeah exactly. Got everything. I don't too many colors. I'll just put them on hover. Yeah. Yep, yep. That's a good one. That's pretty yes. much my utility library now, and maybe like one or two gradients that are like too super wacky. wacky. Yeah. But you could put those in the config at least now if you wanted to. Yeah. True. Um, yeah. I could do that. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So that was like kind of the big thing that we did, and then uh, got a bunch of other stuff going on. <laughs> I have a Laracon talk on Wednesday, and yep. um, I don't know what that's going to be about yet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you still have plenty of time. I know, know. I, I do. I'm not worried about that. I The idea, like, I kind of use your input on this, is I went into it thinking, okay, I'm going to do this talk called Building a Component Library with Tailwind CSS. And the idea was, like, I think an area that's, like, been untapped in terms of my Tailwind content is, like, a real walkthrough of how would I design like a button component with like view where it's like powered by tailwind under the hood? You know, what is mm-hmm. the API for it look like? Is it how okay do you to like throw classes on it or bad to like add extra classes on it or what types of classes are okay? What's not okay. And Especially thinking about like purge, right? And so like, 100%, you want to use yeah. complete string names for all your classes and don't yeah. like put a variable for like, yep, continue. Yep. So that's like one little piece of it. And that kind of convinced me that it was like there was going to be tons of like good content for it but i'm not sure that i have as much to say (laughs) as i thought so um maybe we can talk about that a little bit and you can uh basically in a perfect world what will happen in this conversation which may not happen Mm -hmm. is that we would realize or is that i would realize that i have more to say (laughs) than i thought um (laughs) and then your idea will roll and then you're done you don't need to think of something um because i don't think a button thing is enough like i kind of had this idea of taking one of steve's designs for tailwind ui like a full page thing and just sort of showing like how am i going to chop this up what gets reused where um why you don't sorry like that, that's eh? really boring I, I feel like uh, for me that i wouldn't watch that okay shit um <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. I, component way way more inter- like way more interesting in my opinion because but that's the same talk is what i mean it's like that's how i was gonna like show it was like not go through and like slowly oh, do you're everything. not you're not gonna build an entire thing you're just gonna like no take- i was gonna like start with something and like show well there's a couple ways i could do it high level decision that's always a hard one for me is like how much to like do versus how much to just like show and explain so like i could like make the buttons and talk about them while i make them or i could say uh here's the before and now switch branches here's like the after let's like dig into like the layers of this how it's constructed and i'll point out the things that are interesting Um, but that's kind of just like static then there's not like a lot of me like making tweaks to the things and showing you what happens or um i think i think if you started maybe with a a page like an application page sample page yeah and then you took a button and wired the button up dynamically or like a select box and wired it up with some data and went through that and then did a couple more examples but didn't do them yeah just kind of like here's how that could apply to this other component which has this other nuance to it right like a button is like, you know, it, it probably what fires an Ajax event and returns and like has a hover state or like a loading state and then returns back to clickable. Yeah. But then if you have to like fetch data from something, maybe that's different. Or if you have a component that is more, even more complicated, um, you, you would know better like what you have kind of at the ready in terms of pre-built mm-hmm. pages. But I think 
that would like I, I wouldn't just in my head when you said that i thought you were talking about just like coding a layout from scratch i'm like Dude, no like yeah over there's that. that that blog that video is done a thousand times already yeah. we don't need you to do it i wonder like here's some of the points that i had listed in like an apple note this is how i write all my talks by the way it's an apple note that i i'm like yeah this is going to be my organized apple note with all my points which slowly just turns into a mess and then i create a new apple note that's like a slightly <laughs> tidied version of that until that one becomes a mess and usually there's about eight or nine apple notes before i get to like a final that sounds exactly like how i design like in sketch yeah. it's like a decent and then the next and i just duplicate it and have another column and it gets it's like better and they duplicate yeah. it as another yeah. column and there's yeah. like more detail yeah just in case you need to go just back cloning continue yeah so some of the points that i had here um and i'm trying to think like I'm trying to decide, first of all, if it makes sense to try and show all this in like one example or if I should just jump back and forth between like here's a couple different components and here's something that's like shared between them that's not obvious and how I would create like a component that encapsulates that. So like something that one example that is like um, we have a couple designs where there's like some cards and there's also like a table and the table's in a card, but in the table card, like the rows go all the way to the edge, like there's borders that go to the edge. But in like the other cards, there's like padding all around the card. So I think like a lot of people would think that the card is the thing with padding and like the table just happens to like share the box shadow and the border radius or whatever. But I think like what I've found is you usually have to make like more components than you think. So like they both actually have a card, but the card component has no padding, you know? It's like the thing yep. inside of it, which is maybe like the card body, which is like an optional thing. Yeah, and thing. the card so header because like you might need an edge-to-edge border somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So you always end up with these like Russian doll sort of things, more so than like you ever anticipate. And I think it's pretty smart to des- to design your components with that in mind, like thinking like, okay, how can I like make these composable instead of... Which which always means like more divs, you know what I mean? There's always like it's always, more divs. It's than always you think. more divs. Yeah, that's the solution for everything. Tailwind. Just I think divs. you always have to resist this urge to like flatten the divs as much as possible because once you flatten all the classes of like three divs into one, now like you can't break it apart again, right? Yeah. Now you have a discrete component, and now you have like a flush card and like floating card and yeah. padded card, and that's garbage and you don't know which yeah. one is which then you yeah. change the wrong one then your whole thing falls apart yeah. you quit your job and you mow lawns so that's, so that's one point that i think i, I want to make in the talk and that's I don't a know good if, point okay that's a good one so multiple divs more components keep yeah. the responsibilities sort of small so that they're can be combined just like how with utility glasses it's all broken up as much as possible you do yeah. you don't want to introduce like a layer 50 feet higher than it you kind of want to just start like 10 feet higher you know you're combining like three classes. You're not combining like 12 or whatever. Um, yes. Another one I had was like handling list styles in the parent. So we kind of like made this a first class thing in Tailwind now that we have like the space utilities and like the divide utilities. But yep. I think um, say you have like a list of things with borders between them. If we didn't have those utilities, I bet you a lot of people would be making like an activity feed item and like that component had a bottom border of one pixel every time you know on its own in isolation the bottom border would be there but the reality is like that component shouldn't have a border like border Mm -hmm. is like only needs to exist when there's a bunch of them in a list so that's like the job of the list to insert the border you know yes which now we can do with like the divide y stuff but couldn't really easily do before that so it's almost like this point would have been 
more interesting before there was just a class that magically could do it for you but i think it's still maybe worth making a little bit um yeah the the composable component club i mean that's what you're <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah the let, CCC. let me show you how we do it here um, yeah this that is valuable information and a lot of times it's you only learn it on your own when you get too far to go back and fix it so it's yeah. great to have those tips ahead of time just like just add more classes and then extract components not css components if you can possibly avoid it but actual view components or like blade components or whatever you're using because yeah. that is a more reusable thing like that mental like knowing that ahead of time will let you get used to it before you have to go and refactor a crap ton of html that's another just point in general is like how how explicit should i be about like should i spend time saying like don't really you shouldn't really be making a bunch of custom CSS stuff. Like it's almost always you better have to. to make a view component than to make a CSS class for like profile header, would, you know? Yeah, I would just avoid the superlatives, right? Just not like always best yeah. or, you know, like it's never good because there's always a case where someone has a really valid reason why they need to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think and, it just shouldn't be the default. I think for a lot of people, it's the default yeah, if move. you're already using Vue and you already have components, why not try this? You'll probably find it's way more reusable. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I think some of us have made really strong stands about different patterns and architectures, saying like always should when it's like mm-hmm. often can. Yeah, and you know, or like like consider this also. <laughs> yeah, um, like because you you've 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 been on the record saying I regret making apply. You fixed that reason right recently. Yeah, yeah. but don't use apply you should always just use javascript components but what if someone doesn't want to use javascript to render their front and they just want a server rendered or it's like a statically rendered site well then in that case you do need to make css components and apply is a really great way to do it yeah so agree yeah totally agree although blade has components now too that are pretty good yeah yeah and And static has partials which is like the same thing yeah as long as you have like parameterized partials basically you can do a lot of stuff but still it's not idiomatic to make like a button component in like a button ERB partial in Rails, you know, like no one, it's just like you're doing something weird, you know? Right. Um, so you have to f- walk that line, I think. Yeah. Okay. Um, what else do I have here? So I, another, another point that I had was um, basically like components shouldn't have external space. So Mm -hmm. like you want like the content of the component to basically be the edge to edge and you kind of want to put that into something else that has you drop it in and it's flush to whatever you drop it into. Yeah. 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 Actually, that's even a point that I didn't even think about. That's like sizing should not be baked into components either. So like, yeah, almost everything should be like width 100%. You know what I mean? It's the thing you're putting it into that makes it smaller. Not like it's not like it has a max width on it already yeah you know you drop all those things in you wrap them in max with xl 5xl whatever MD, yeah and yep. then done yeah yep, yep. space x okay. space y done yeah i dig it um okay so then the other kind of path that i was considering going down which is this mm-hmm. one's like i think it's interesting because of the fact that i don't have i can't like speak to it with a lot of like necessarily confidence that yes you should always do this but it's more like 
something I'm thinking about lately that I've been experimenting with and finding interesting is, um, you know how everyone wants container queries, right? In CSS. Oh God. Um, yeah. Right. Cause you, you mean like, like element, uh, yeah. Like yeah, you like want to be able to queries. do media queries that are not based on the browser width. You yes. want to be based on the amount of space that you are sticking the damn thing into. Right. Tell me, Give me some good news, Adam. Give me. So I don't know that this is necessarily good news, but it's like an idea that I had when I was trying to break up this design I was looking at. There's like, hopefully I can explain this in words, but imagine you have like a page that has like this header at the top, not like a nav bar, but just like the header for the page. Like, welcome, Jack. Here's your latest projects. And here's like two call to action buttons for creating a new project or like importing a project. And it's like, your name's on the left and the buttons are on the right, you know, that sort of like header pattern that you see. Um, So we have that pattern in this UI, but we do something kind of with this layout where at really wide screens, the layout goes into like a three column layout and the stuff that was in the header actually gets like stacked in like a left column. Kind of like how GitHub has it on like your profile page. You know how you have that left column where it's like, oh, here's Jack. Um, So imagine that we're doing that, right? So what you basically have is this component, this header component, where uh, because it's all built with Tailwind, it's got like stuff baked into the elements that says on Excel screens, we have to go back to the stacked view, right? So it's like the component itself, which is just in isolation, it's just this header. It has to like know that someone's going to try and stick it into this narrow column, you know, which is like the whole reason we want element queries because it's like. It shouldn't know that. You know what I mean? It's just like a header. It should sort of know like, yeah, when there's less than 900 pixels available, we stack. And when there's more, mm-hmm. we go wide. And even if you're on a 6K display and you stick me into a 400 pixel wide column, I'm going to stack. You know, that's like the reusable, composable sort of way that you want these things to work. Yes. But we don't have container queries unless we have some JavaScript polyfill thing, which I... And don't not, use them because they fall apart, like, trust me. Yeah, and they don't have good browser support for stuff like the resize observer and like all this other stuff and there's performance issues and, you know, it's tough. Yep. Yeah. No uh, fault of the people trying their best to just make it no. possible, <laughs> but Certainly this is the world the that we in. live in, right? We- we had that in Statomic 3. We had to rip it all out right before we launched because people were reporting like 25-second uh, delays in like the drag interaction because of the Ugh. number of like DOM nodes, right? Gross. And like all, all, all we want is to know, like because we have, uh, I'm not derailing, but this is also illustrating your point, is we have a live preview mode, right? Mm-hmm. So you've got your forms, your title, message body, like whatever, and your, your text, you hit live preview, boom, everything like snaps to the half size of the screen. The right half becomes a browser window and you can like change content while you're writing. But you can drag that uh, slider left and right and have like less space or more space. And so your browser might be 2,400 pixels wide, but you actually only have, maybe you snapped it over to like 400 pixels. Yeah. And your whole content area is like a mushy mess of garbage, right? And so that's where element queries would be fantastic and that's why we had them and we had to rip them out disaster man yeah it's terrible so continue i had this idea which was based on this this whole underlying principle right that like the parent component the thing that that's saying we have three columns that's sort of the thing that knows 
that there's a narrow column that we're trying to fit it into. So if we can't just have it magically happen in the browser, like the browser can't just say, oh yeah, your parent element is 400 pixels wide. Uh, here's that information so you can decide how to render yourself. If we can't have this magical world, um, then I should at least be able to like make the thing that's saying there's a column this wide be the thing that's like telling the component, by the way, like at this screen size, you need to fit into this much space. You know what I'm saying? I so do. I came up with this like experimental API basically where, um, first of all, I took that header component and I, I gave it like, I was explicit about the fact that it has two layouts. So I decided, okay, there's, there's two layouts. There's a stacked layout and there's a horizontal layout. Let's okay. name those and think about those things as like real concepts. And ideally what I want to be able to do is like in the component itself, say like if current layout should be stacked, render these classes. If current layout should be horizontal, render these classes, right? Um, so what I did is I created like a prop on the component that was like layout and it took an object and the object was the keys were the screen names, like the Tailwind screen names and the values were like the layout to use at those screen mm -hmm. sizes. So the, for this particular situation, the like, you know, the default screen, the screen with no prefix was supposed to be stacked. So it's stacked on mobile. And then on SM screens and up, it's supposed to be horizontal. And then on XL screens, it's supposed to go back to stacked. So the object that we pass in is like default colon stacked, SM colon horizontal, XL colon stacked, right? So you're just telling the component. Mm -hmm. On mobile, you should be stacked. On small screens, you should be horizontal. On Excel screens, you should be stacked. And then in the component, all it does is basically, um, it dynamically generates what classes it should put in based on that information. Um, so, you know, essentially, you know there's like, these are the three classes that need to go in this element in the stacked layout. These are the three classes that need to go in the horizontal layout. We do like a little loop, we say, Okay, we got to prefix them with the right screen names um, based on how it's supposed to work. And now it kind of works, not like you have element queries, really, like it's not automatic like that, but you can have two instances of the same component on the screen at the same time with different widths showing a different layout. Whereas you couldn't do that if you baked those like into the component. Right. right? You'd have to go right into CSS and write three or four different media queries and override stuff, turn it off, turn it on. Turn and you have to have completely on. different classes for each one like yeah. there would be they couldn't be the same component because if it's based yep. on the browser width yep. like then they all are going to look the same right um so i did that and got it working and the issue of course is that's like not purge css friendly because now you're dynamically creating these class names mm -hmm. so um i had this idea of when i was thinking about that well how could i make that still work and then i realized well purge css is built into tailwind um, which means we can like be smart about what we're purging and the mental model for purge is so simple, right? All you do is like you, it gives you a big string and you return a bunch of tokens from it. Essentially, it's like, what classes did you find? So the simple version of that is like a regex that just like breaks it up into his classes class ish strings, but there's mm -hmm. no reason that, and this is what I did in my little prototype the other day. There's no reason I can't look for like specific types of strings and then use those to like pretend that I found other strings. Sure. So what I did is I came up with this syntax where like in the component, I could say like open curly bracket screen, closing curly bracket, 
colon flex, you know, so it's like a variable for the screen, imagine, like mm-hmm. essentially. And if you put those sort of hints into your class names, then the Tailwind PerseCSS integration, when it sees something that contains like a variable, it like generates all the possible versions of that and tells Purge that it found all of them. So now Purge is like, oh, I need to keep Flex, SM Flex, MD Flex, LG Flex, and XL Flex, because this component is basically telling me, depending on the circumstances at runtime, it might need any of those. So now, now those are like Purge safe. Um, so yeah, I've basically come up with a way to make that work. And I, I guess circling back to what we were talking about, which is like tail or Laracon <laughs> is like, is this an interesting thing to talk about? It's like, this isn't like me telling you how you should build things, but it's like, here's an interesting thought that I've had and th- something I prototyped. And this is almost like the very end of the talk. You know what I mean? Like this is this is like from like things I'm the most confident about to like things I'm still experimenting with. This is sort of like the arc of the of the talk maybe. And we just finish it off with this thing that's sort of like, wow, that was a really interesting sort of concept. But if someone's not going to just use it in their day to day, does that make it? A yeah, that's, that's a good question. It it include. makes a couple of your tweets you made a few days ago make a lot more sense because I couldn't I couldn't find a use case for the dynamic classes that made that's, sense. That's the only one that makes sense that's, to me. Um, yeah, yeah. I, and now it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I'd probably use it, but I definitely wouldn't use it often. Yeah, like it would be there would I can think of maybe one or two places in the last year or two where I may may have tried it and it would have worked in maybe one of them. Right. Yeah. But I I like that idea about of composing like these dynamic like approaches on like in your CSS. It's just like CSS just keeps getting more and more powerful. Yeah. And uh I don't know. I, I I think if you if you can distill that whole bit into like five minutes, but like laying out the use case visually so they could see it. Yeah. Because right? we're 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 just talking here. So we're you, you know, you're holding your hands up in the screen to like shape yeah. the, the header, but our listeners don't have that. Yeah, I think you could explain it quicker and cleaner. Yeah, and like and and be like, this is this is tailwind from, right? Like what works great to what might be coming. I think that's really cool. Yeah. So you think it's okay to do something that's like, just kind of gets the wheels turning, even though it's not like there's not really like a practical takeaway that you can like start doing this at work tomorrow, unless. Well, I like, I think one of the great things about conferences is that you get you you come away with ideas. Yeah. Right. And so if I if I just went to a conference to learn hard hard skills and like hard tricks, like a blog is often is like a faster way to get some of those. So if I came away from a talk with a hard, you know, a hard recommendation and skill or a trick and also had like a half baked idea that that like nagged at me that maybe it, it's it's not directly solving a thing I'm on, but it's something tangential. That's kind of cool yeah. too. I think like yeah, the, this, this Laracon doesn't get the other benefit of like networking, right? And sure. so it's a huge bummer. Yeah. We're not going to hang out. Uh, if you're just trying to collect tips, top 10 blog tips is really fast way to consume those. This kind of gets you, gets people thinking about maybe other, other ways that they could uh, mm-hmm. experiment or like, or make recommendations or feature requests and that kind of stuff. I like it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think what I, if I include it, which I probably will, cause it's like the part that I think is like the most interesting. Um, I think what I want to tie it back to is just this like more kind of stable principle of like, you want, you don't want a component to like have to be 
have to know about like where it's going to get used you know what i mean because now it's like yeah you've you've lost the sort of portability and the sort of like robustness of it and um there's probably well there's definitely simpler examples of that right like the whole you don't bake a width into a component you let like the width of the parent control it that's like the simplest thing that demonstrates that like like right. we do this with tailwind ui and i mean i mean this is a whole <clears throat> other well something i kind of want to ask you about too but everything in tailwind ui when you copy it is like width 100 percent. like when you're looking at it just scrolling through we've got like max width something so that they look sensible but when you copy it like that's gone it's just like it fills this the gap that you drop it into which is the way it should be i think right agreed um so I think taking it all the way to this responsive thing, that's like the pushing that concept to the extreme. Like how do we remove any information in from inside of a component about like where it's going to get used in the, in the app, you know? And that's yeah. like the trickiest case, I think. So like how do we solve that trickiest case? And here's like one idea that I have. But I wonder if there's other good examples of like mistakes people make that are a little more subtle almost like like the max width one is a pretty interesting one the surrounding space is an interesting one like the baking the bottom padding into the each individual list item or sorry the bottom mark or the bottom border blah, 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 is like right. another one it's, they're all like the border, same concept. border radius when you have a background color inside a container you know stuff like that that's border race so, so like, like you're, you you're have... thinking like if i want to take this component and i want to put it somewhere that's square i don't want it to have a border radius but if i want to put it inside a card like that's why generally like i would use like overflow hidden on the parent to crop it although sometimes yes. that doesn't work uh, yeah and, certain and colors like it'll bleed out just a little bit which is super annoying yeah or yeah. um or you you don't want to use overflow hidden because you want to make sure that you can have like something like a drop down oh. pop over outside of it or something but there's yeah. better solutions to that too which is like use popper js and like a portal right. or something to move it yeah. outside but maybe that's like related to like maybe maybe that's one of the points is like you might be tempted to do this to solve this problem but don't you know yeah and just give that that suggestion like pop over in a portal maybe they didn't even know that pattern right yeah. i mean i use that but some you know when you're doing a quick little one-off, you're like, God, do I have to bring it? Like I, so far I was using Alpine only and now I need to bring in like popper and initially a thing. And you're, you're yeah. looking for, you're looking in through your toolkit of like, what is the least amount of work to add to this yeah. project to solve my thing? And so it could be, you know, like three different solutions. Here's a simple one. Here's like a more complicated one. And the bigger the project, the more you can justify the one that has a little bit more boilerplate to it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, you got some good bones. I think you just, I think, yeah, I just got to tie it up. One thing I'm trying to decide, and I actually got to get running because we're late for cooking the part of dinner that my wife doesn't want to (laughs) cook. But um, originally I was thinking, like, can I take like one big application UI and like find all these ideas in the one thing? Or should I like use smaller, more isolated things? Like, why don't I just show like two cards on screen at the same time with no surrounding stuff and just like focus on what's similar between them? Um, originally yeah, I was I thinking think, the one big app is better, but now I'm starting to wonder if, if I almost double down on like, this is almost like lessons learned building Tailwind UI in some ways too. So like, here's like why we made this decisions about how this was built with Tailwind UI. Cause that's really where a lot of these things are applied currently. Um, 
Yeah, it's a coin. So, it's, yeah. a bit of a, it's a bit of a coin flip. You could you could easily do Both either of way. Them could work. Yeah. You, I mean, inside of an application UI, you can demonstrate how if you give a width to a card, like a hard width, and then you drop it into this thing that has more space than that yeah. width, you can show like, doesn't that look stupid? Like that's mm-hmm. here exactly is why you wouldn't do that. But if you just went from the small component, you could just show it in a yeah. in a wrapper anyway. So you know, just depends on how much context you want around yeah. the component, probably. Cool, man. Well, that's really helpful. Um, I'm going to hack on this tomorrow and hopefully come up with something. So I really have to run right this second, unfortunately, which means we don't have time to do our segments, but maybe we can do a, like a 20 minute recording tomorrow or something. Like part two. And I can, yeah, like, I'm fine with that. I can smack them on the end. And we we can smack it on the end, there. add some, add a little bit of fun, yeah. uh, spice and sizzle. I works up for me because like, I've had to pee little, for like, like 20 minutes. And a little interlude in there, like, you know, like, <laughs> got the <laughs> like little the Seinfeld si- bass line. Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. I'm going to run. This yeah, is fun. Sounds good. Thanks for your help. And uh, All right, catch up with you I'll again hang. soon. You got it. Jack McDade. Uh, I can't compete with that at all. I'll find I was a way to do that every every podcast. Every time. One day we'll just we'll eventually be able to just like sing on the podcast, you know? Yeah, we'll have soundboards full of all our best quotes. <sighs> yep. <laughs> yep. 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 Okay. So Ugh. where did we leave off? I think we were uh, there's probably a bunch of stuff that we could have kept talking about, but we were going pretty long, so I think we were going to dip into the old segment territory. Yeah, I think we we kind of like covered a decent amount of like business stuff, and now I think just fun like just dig into the fluff and whatever yeah. feels good and then and then bounce out. Let's do the fluff. Okay, so let's start with a follow-up from last segment. I noticed you wrote that down here and I am curious to know what your follow-ups are. So, excellent. All right, so let's transition in. I grabbed a couple of bumpers and threw them into my audio file. If you want to like ex- see if you like them, cut them in, cut them out, whatever. Sure. Um, yeah, I was thinking I'll just like slap this right on as is and not even really worry about it much at all. Or or that. Yeah. All right, just just let's just do it. Yeah, I thought we were already doing it. So. Oh, we've been doing it. All right, well, yeah. let's just talk about Let's just follow up. Okay, so uh, last episode, you you pitched me Curb Your Enthusiasm and you said it was the best show of all time. I, I set you up for... I might have oversold it a little bit, but it's it's <laughs> it's a top five show for me, for sure. Fair. I set you up for a pretty harsh, hey, ask me a question, and I kind of verbally punch you in the face with, I've never watched it and I've never liked it. So here's what I did. I did my homework. I watched the first episode of like the first seven seasons just okay. to see when it got tolerable. Uh, and here's here's my... This was my challenge, and I and I found the same challenge again. It's shot in 30 frames a second with like a home movie camera, and it feels like my daughter made it. And that's, that is not as bad towards the, the later seasons. Right, I agree, right. though. See, At the very seven, beginning, it's like, yeah, God. it's yeah, home video, it's like hard. And like you can you can do that in a way that makes it fun and campy, but they didn't. They did in a way that made it feel like they they just didn't bother and that bothered me okay so given that season seven if anyone's listening season seven is when they get a real camera they actually get real gear and it changes it's like quality's fantastic right so no problem there however 
Jumping in at season seven, super jarring. He's in bed with a black woman. I don't know who she is. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. It's very mm. confusing. So for me, I kind of need to watch them in order. Uh, yeah. So I, I'm gonna have. You just I have, have to, to suffer through, through the first six seasons, which six, they're actually still plus. good. But um, oh, there is, was some great. Yeah. Yeah, there's some great moments. Him going to Starbucks was hilarious. Uh, you know, there is some. Oh, yeah. so. All right, so season six, episode one, because like I said, I just yeah. watched all the first ones. Uh, I woke my wife up with, I was watching it uh, in the family room, and it's uh, it's the episode where like the smoke detector is going off in the middle of the night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which has happened like a month ago. The smoke detector went the off in the middle of the night. That's the only time smoke detectors go off. They never go off, literally never go off during the day. It never happened to me, not it's, once in my entire life. Not once. I, there's got to be something about the darkness it's just built in yeah and ironically that the shrill piercing sound of larry david's smoke detector going off in the middle of the night woke up my wife thinking that our smoke detectors were going off in the middle of the night and i kind of had like a sitcom moment where i was trying to explain to her that it wasn't and she was confused and i mean that was <laughs> that was kind of funny good. so it created, funny. at least it created that moment for you Yes, I'm. I'm not. I'm not going to put it on my top five list, but I'm. I'm in enough that I'm going to keep watching. All right, it's funny. All right. The 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 other thing is it's predictable. See, yeah, in some ways, I think one thing that helps appreciate the show is realizing that it's almost all improv. Um, Oh, is it no script? There's like a very loose bullet points for like the plot, but like every scene is improvised, Uh, like the actual dialogue and what happens. And when you know that. It seems funnier because like See that? you're you're kind of yeah. putting it together with this idea that like this dude just like made that up on the spot as he was trying to like talk, and that you can see it, it in the other actors' faces sometimes. Like like Leon will be saying something, and Larry David, you can just like you can tell he's losing it and can't hold it together, but like they still use that take because it was just too good. You know what I mean? <laughs> okay, <laughs> that I didn't. I honestly had no idea that that was a, that was happening so i'm i'm going to for sure appreciate that that i love a good improv sesh yeah. uh, although yeah. i really hate bad improv like yeah. really really bad yeah that's this show basically this um, this show is bad improv that maybe someday will become pretty good improv i hope so that's I, what we're betting I mean, on i mean twitter twitter doesn't hate it so there's that <laughs> okay so the next follow up was the 90s wwe twitter account which should be its own podcast. We should just like <laughs> every other week. It's what it's. We talk about business. It's like and then the we after just, like, dark break section. Down. Like we end the episode and then there's like 20 seconds of silence. And it's like, okay, so did you see that tweet? And, yes. Uh, like, do you remember when you'd buy a CD like back in the nineties and there would be mm-hmm. like a bonus track, but it wasn't numbered. It would be yeah. eight minutes of silence and then sweet yep. hidden track. That's that should be this podcast in the nineties WWE. Yeah. So it's good, right? Dude. It's so good. I, I don't. I don't have any like choice tweets to pull out except for I. I just got to say this account is so fire, right? Like I there there was a uh, the perfect loop doesn't exist tweet that got like yeah. thirty six thousand retweets, and it was just uh, who was it? Do you remember? Do you remember the one? Uh, that was the one where like Stone Cold is giving Triple H a stunner, and it just like Tri- yeah, that's right. Changes, Triple H just do it over and over, and over again, over. like drinks yeah. a beer and then like pile. Dr- yeah, exactly. Uh, so. I replied with what I thought was like a better loop and that one got my reply to this account got 100 retweets like 700 likes. So this yeah. this this Twitter account is like it's WWE Twitter and it's fantastic. Even like The Rock will like quote tweet it sometimes and stuff. Oh, like, they're all on it. Like they have infected 
celebrity Twitter. Like it's the glory days, man. They're all exactly. reliving it. There's all this nostalgia, and um, oh, it's so good. It's I, pretty I mean, good. It, you fired up my mojo for for '90s WWE. I had to order WWF Royal Rumble on Super Nintendo, and I started playing that <sighs> last night. God, it's not the best game, but it's it brings it back. Yeah. I mean. Like I, I I want to play uh, Macho Man in that game, but he's terrible. Like he has his specials, like you can't do it. His timing is all off. He's he's yeah. the worst. But Bret Hart though, Bret Hart and Razor Ramon crush it. Yep. Yeah, those are good games. Like uh, that was the which one did you say it was the Super Nintendo the, one? Super Nintendo. Yeah. Uh, that Royal was like Rumble. the prequel to like the the Monday Night Raw game for Super Nintendo that had like Diesel and stuff in it yes. too, which is like the same game engine, but like just like the yeah i think they added um more combos and stuff like like it is they figure out how to like leverage the tech a little better and yeah yeah. i mean it has that that um side scrolling fighter challenge where you you like you can't line up your character with the other guy to actually hit them so you end up just like grabbing it or something yeah yeah Yeah, and it's super mashy so like your thumbs i'm like this destroying my 30 year old controllers by like trying to like trying to break into the submissions and stuff yeah i got to order backup controllers just to play this game so good though but it was fun it was really fun yeah, I gotta yeah. figure that out. Me and Taylor play Rocket League all the time, right? Like literally, I was just playing Rocket League with him for half an hour, and um, we always. <laughs> I talk used to about, play with like, you guys years ago. Yeah, yep. We still yeah. we still do it uh, hours a day, and it's mostly just an excuse to like hang out. I think because we do it on like, comms and talk. Um, but every time we get fed up with it, I'm always like, we should just get like the latest WWE online game and just make a tag team. And just yes. play people online, and maybe we can become the champions. Maybe that could be our new thing, you know? You um, should do that. You sh- and then you should live stream it if you guys get yeah, good enough. I think. I mean, it would be great. It could be, be awesome. Can you can you customize your like clothes in the latest one? Can you put Tailwind oh, yeah. three sixteen I mean, on your I'm like sure tank you top? Could. You could do that back in like the PlayStation days. So I okay. I don't even know what it's like now. I bet you people spend weeks like <laughs> they're probably like. Okay, what should like the bone density of this character be? Um, um, I'm uploading my own bump map textures, right? Yeah, like, exactly. I've hacked my yeah, Xbox. Like, totally <laughs> ridiculous. So, I don't know. It could be fun. Uh, it's good times. Yep. Uh, so, what's our segment today? All right. So, I was thinking, uh, I mean, I, I had a huge dope moment this last week, and I thought we could do uh, the daily dose of dope. Okay. Something like something that you banged your head on that was really dumb in the last, I don't know, week or two. I can go first. If you got something, you could jump in. I have a couple things, at least one thing that I don't think quite fits the dough mentality, but is similar. Like something I bumped into. Most of the things I bump into are things that just like reveal my uh, own incompetence, not so much like forgetfulness, you know? Yeah. Like, oh, uh, mine's so totally time, incompetent too. Yeah. So I was trying to. Uh, set up the new full stack radio website because i rebuilt it so i moved it all the transistor and uh i didn't like the default transistor website for the podcast and so i was yeah, like we gotta uh, talk to justin about that do i make a new website that sounds like ugh, i'm gonna, it's gonna have to like use an api and sync things up and like i used to have a podcast website that was separate and just like synchronizing them was just always so yeah you uh, don't want to do it twice no yeah it's just annoying so but I built it with Next.js, and uh, I only started it when I remembered this feature of Next.js that lets you do, like, basically keep them in sync automatically. We could, like, talk about this in detail another time, but 
uh, I got the site deployed and uh, the www version was not working and I had to figure out how to do that and I to this day still don't know I still don't have like in my brain an actual understanding of what I'm supposed to do to make any of that stuff actually work <laughs> like at the DNS level like I have to go and add a C name for www and nope. point it to where I don't a, know a record yeah a record for www if you want it to be a redirect to the bear domain yep I think maybe I, I don't know I google it every time I've, yeah I've, I've, every I've single put... time just like I have no understanding of like DNS records that is like that was the thing that was revealed to me again um and the solution was a C name of www pointing to like cname.versel.com or something and then configuring a redirect in their dashboard so it always feels like every time with every service it's, the setup is different, different way and yeah. um yeah i don't know whatever it seems to work though um on but a related you did note, it and you yeah good we did the uh heroicons.com launch today and I can't get Twitter to show the correct card preview if I type in heroicons.com. <laughs> if I type HTTPS, uh-huh. heroicons.com, always get the good one. HTTP, which is the default when you put nothing there, shows the old one from Steve's old heroicons project. Can't bust the cache, can't fix it, can't be done. It's just permanent. <laughs> just another protocol, cachey, no understanding of anything, whatever. I don't know. So Maybe it'll be fixed by itself tomorrow. That is what I actually suspect. Um <laughs> It's possible. Yeah. You do do you use the uh I use the the global DNS propagator checker. Do you use that? No. What's my DNS.net? I do not. Oh, you but should. it sounds useful. Kind of it's just the tells best you one. It's like Yeah, here I'll Usually put it it's HD. like propagated to the rest of the world faster than it's propagated to my own uh computer, you know? Always, yeah. And it's you like it's in China, it's in Australia, but then like, you know, US East is broken, right? Yeah. There's uh okay, so Los Angeles and New York are both not updated on your uh, Herocons.com. Huh. So maybe it's still propagating, and it's not your fault at all. That's bullshit. It's been <laughs> I, it's been like almost twenty four hours. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's it. Should definitely be done. Uh, are you on? Uh, are you on Cloudflare? No, not for that one. Hmm. We should just put everything on Cloudflare, but. I just started doing that. At least yeah. that way, when Cloudflare goes down, it's like everybody knows it. Like, oh, totally. Cloudflare. Yeah. yeah. And you can swap the DNS over really fast because it's like still proxied through them. Exactly. But for things like Next.js stuff, they don't want you proxying through Cloudflare because it kind of messes some things up because they have their own CDN. And uh, I don't know. Gotcha. But yeah, I've never it still used just works. I don't know. So, what's your daily dose of the old dough? All right. So, on Friday, uh, we had to switch over our transactional email provider. I think I, I messaged you. I was like, hey, I need to switch. What do you use? And I just went with whatever you use, which was Postmark, which was great. Yeah. Uh, but it took, right, it should, I, we were using SMTP. And so switching from one SMTP to another should take about 30 seconds, right? As long mm-hmm. as you do the DNS uh, DKIM record, right? Boom, set it up, done, it validates, change the creds. Three hours later, I'm just like, I'm in, deep in up to my elbows and server logs trying to figure out what's going on and nothing nothing is working and i'm and i just put one little tweet out hey this wasn't working would anyone have ideas and it's yeah i didn't restart my q workers on forge what's that the old q like, worker the old q workers which to show my incompetence i don't think i've ever 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 restarted them like on purpose so do you use like envoyer or just for no, we're just forge. using just using raw forge, 
on foyer will restart the queues for you so yeah um yeah i mean i've used it before but it's been a while uh yeah. yeah and it was just one of those things like I didn't know it. The guys on my team, we all forgot it. It had been long enough since we ever yeah. changed anything that stuck. And it was just like, and, and it was four o'clock by the time I was done. I was so mad. I just like, I guess I'm done. That's, that's the day. <laughs> that's the worst. <laughs> Which well, was really at least it got it sorted. They got it sorted. Now I'm, I'll probably remember it for next time. Yeah. And, I mean, we, we were like, like dumping config, like the config thing. When you do Laravel Tinker, it showed you the value. So we're like, dude, it, Laravel knows, but it was, yeah, it was the, yeah. It was the worker. And it, here's something that's not my fault. I'm pretty sure that I'm also frustrated by. Uh, it's not my dope. Is there's a few people, I've maybe five or six so far, who can't get to statomic.com at all in Chrome and only Chrome. Safari, fine. Firefox, fine. And okay. I can't recreate. There's no DNS problems. Most people, obviously, if everybody had a problem, we'd know about it like very quickly. But there's a few people. And apparently the fix is to sign out of Chrome. This is the only thing I figured out that works. You know how you can log into Chrome now? So just like if you kind of refresh your Chrome session, basically? Something. And I found a couple of uh, a couple of really deep thread uh, like forum posts about it on the Chrome forums from like mid-2019. And that was the one suggestion. It's the only thing that works. So that's a cool bug. It's the best. like error process, like error, error process can't continue or like some like super vague error. And that's really fun computers man i don't get it do you no no well (laughs) there we go those are segments yeah so we don't know how to computer somehow people pay us to computer somehow we manage uh, somehow we manage 